Recovery on the Road is a podcast about people sharing their recovery experiences from drugs and alcohol, trauma, and grief. My name is Heidi. I'm an alcoholic. As a backdrop, this podcast is based on interviews while I'm on the road across America's national parks, from Acadia in Maine to Glacier in Montana, all the way over to the Everglades in Florida. My hope is that what is shared will benefit you in your recovery. Hi, thank you for listening. This is Heidi, and welcome to Recovery on the Road. I met a wonderful man whom I've known for years. His name is Irving, and he has volunteered to share his experience as a veteran. So please um, introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. I'm Irving Duffy, and um, I spent... um, uh, 21 years in the Marine Corps on active duty, uh, deployed around the world, and um, had two combat tours. One of them was in Beirut, Lebanon, and then the second one was in Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And I also uh, participated in the evacuation of uh, forces uh, during the operation in Panama back in the late 80s. And um, did a number of different uh, expeditionaries um, um, after that until I retired um, in 2000, November of 2000. So that was quite a while ago. How, when you got back, what was the transition like? So, so while you're in the Marines, you know, there's a lot of structure and um, and order and 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 with you know the routine of of you know, uh, your position, you really don't think a lot about what had happened. Um, but then when you retire, you know, you go into a different world that you're not familiar with. You know, I joined the Marines. I went in when I was 18 and, and then I retired when I was 38, almost 39. And, um, <clears throat> it was, um, it was a very difficult transition. Um, when, when I got back from Lebanon, um, it, it was real challenging because I didn't understand what was wrong with me from everything that I had experienced over there, um, where I was an introvert, um, you know, like you knew me when I was in high school and like everybody else knew me. And then all of a sudden, um, I'm on the other side of the spectrum and not understanding and, you know, dealing with a high level level of stress and anxiety to the point where I felt like I had vertigo. I mean, I just, I, I was going to, um, I was stationed in Panama and I was going to the medical uh, facility there telling them that um, there's something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. You know, I was getting in fights and I was getting in all kinds of trouble and I was ha- starting to have disciplinary issues in the military. And and I, I went from this, this stellar guy to somebody who um, constantly seemed to be in trouble. Um, PTSD wasn't something that was spoken about during yeah. that time. So you felt like you were losing control. I had lost control. I mean, I was... I flipped over my first sergeant's desk, um, you know, and um, uh, I was always in a rage. Um, I would go into the Air Force Base and and look for people to fight with, and you know, I was hurting people. Um, up in Massachusetts, I went into a, a university and dragged a guy out and and beat him. That was something that I had to deal with for an extended amount of time. Nearly went to jail over it. Um, fortunately, I had leadership that were very patient and understanding that they didn't end my career but I was doing everything I could uh, to get in trouble and I I didn't I didn't know what that was about but then after I retired uh, from the Marine Corps I had to 
you know, I was dealing with some other things, road rage and, and, you know, I was getting in fights, um, with people and I was, you know, next thing you know, I, I couldn't hold jobs and, you know, I, I dealt with bankruptcy and divorce and, you know, um, there was just nobody that I could be close to. It was a, it was a really, really dark place to be. Um, and, uh, and I hit complete rock bottom and I went to the VA, the VA wasn't helping during that time frame, And, um, and then after, you know, um, September 11th happened, um, it's like as if a few years in this, that, that whole operation, uh, with, with the fighting in Afghanistan and in Iraq, they started helping veterans. And that's when I started getting the treatment. And, um, so I've been, I've been getting treatment, um, regularly uh for post traumatic stress since about two thousand and two and it's ongoing. Um it's it's I don't I don't see an end to that. I do feel that the thing that helped me the most in um in understanding um well if I could back up a little bit, um I started I started getting surgery for all the things that were happening that had happened to me. I had I had gotten blown up in Desert Storm in a, with an Iraqi tank uh in a battle um, and, uh, it did a lot of damage to my joints and I had to get surgery to my nose, my jaw, um, shoulders. Um, I, years later I had shrapnel coming out of my body still. I had, when it, when it started coming out of my eyes, that's when I said, you know, I got really got to get checked. And so, um, I did. And, um, anytime that I went into surgery, <clears throat> um, the, uh, the effects of, um, flashbacks would come back. Um, I did not know at the time that that was kind of a side effect. Um, there, they were, I was having surgery on my jaw to, to reconstruct my jaw and, and woke up in the middle of surgery fighting with the surgeons and they had to, they had to sedate me and put me back under. Um, and anytime I had surgery on my left, left hand and, um, and had a flashback. So I, I didn't remember about the explosion. Um, I had to talk to people that had experienced it with me um, because I had taken, you know, um, a traumatic brain injury during that whole thing. And uh, it affected, you know, my ability to remember. It was as if everything had been erased. I got a medal and didn't even know what the medal was for. And so um, that was stuff that I dealt with. And um, the VA did after a while become very positive in the way that they were treating me. And they, they put me on a program where, um, I had to relive those experiences not, and, and what I mean by that is, is that I had to continuously talk about the trauma over and over and over. So every week I went and it, it, it was hard. So I would start skipping the meetings cause I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to deal with it. And, um, and the VA was relentless in getting me back in. They were real patient. Um, but it was extremely heavy emotionally mm-hmm. um, to talk about some of the things that I dealt with, you know. And um, so, is that, in <clears throat> a sense, I I understand from what I've read is that if feelings or experiences aren't processed, they're forever with us. And is that what you needed to do? Refeel. Yes. That experience? I had to make myself numb to them because I would see things on TV. We could be watching a football game and my mind wouldn't be on the football game. My mind would be on 
when I went to that bunker and engaged that Iraqi soldier, or it would be on, you know, remembering, um, you know, that, that, that Iraqi soldier that got eviscerated, he's, he's crawling on the ground and, and his guts are stretched out. I mean, for, I mean, and, and, and remembering me. So we, we could be, I was, I could not, I could not keep a relationship with anybody because my mind wasn't in the right place. Mm -hmm. I was always thinking about something other when everybody else is watching sports or engaging. I I was trying not to be social. I was, I didn't want to go any place. I would stay home. Um, uh, I worked on missions abroad after I retired. I went to Africa and worked several countries there. And then Haiti, I got in an accident in Haiti um, where I had some real serious um, suicide ideations and I was sent home um, and I was put back in the VA for an extended amount of time um, uh, dealing with the, my second TBI and the effects of so when I hear about these guys that are playing pro football and they're committing suicide, I get it because it's not something that can be controlled. So when I was in Haiti, uh, there was a there was a big old dump truck that was coming, and I was I was in Port-au-Prince, and um, something very compelling was driving me to 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 drive myself up under that truck, and it just happened, and it wasn't anything that I could really think of I blacked out and so when I blacked out um, I ended up in a ditch where a bunch of Haitians were pulling me out uh, and then helping me get the vehicle out and I was immediately um, sent back to the states Uh, and obviously that was the end of my my missions abroad Um, and you know it's there's some humiliation I when I got back home and I was let out of the VA I, I didn't leave my house for three months you know, I sat in the den and um, and I dealt with it. Um, I wasn't going to the VA. I wasn't, you know, I, I just, I'm just damaged goods and that's what I thought. And I'm going to be damaged goods forever is what I thought. Um, but then I, I uh, began getting treated when I moved to Portland um, by this particular doctor who put me on that program where I had to relive these things and and I had to verbally say them, not just her talking to me. Um, it was an hour of just compet, you know, just repetitive, um, repeating things, and it was exhausting. I mean, I would leave that place and I would be so emotionally drained. Um, I wouldn't want to go anyplace. I would go home and I'd stay home, you know. And so, <clears throat> where I'm at right now is. Um, you know, uh, pretty much um, um, combat disabled, 90%, you know, most of it's for post-traumatic stress. Um, and uh, now I embrace going to the treatments, um, but it's, uh, I'm still in a situation where um, um, we're at night, uh, I'm dealing with, you know, things where I'll, I'll I'll be asleep and I'll wake up and or I'm in I'm in the Marine Corps still and I'm in full combat gear and I'm I'm dealing with things and I ha- and I jerk awake and you know um, these bits and pieces these fragments keep coming back um, about things and it's uh but it's it's now manageable to the point where um, I I am happy but I still struggle with work as far as uh, you know, engaging with people that I don't have anything in common with. We don't have same life experiences, you know, and a lot of the 
lot of my peers or those retired uh, Marines that uh, that I served with that get it, mm-hmm. that are taking the same journey with me in one way or another, are, believe it or not, women, because there's so many women out there that are, are dealing with some type of trauma of one way or another. And, and I've learned that, um, that that's, there's more women that are dealing with trauma than not. And, and Do you mean being um, treated for it or reaching out or, or I, I, have experienced I feel, trauma? so from what I see, a lot of women don't get treated. Um, they live with it and in one way or another uh, have dealt with some type of trauma, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's sexual abuse. Um, and even though that those resources are out there, a lot of women um, have... You know, in the Marines or in the military, when we talk about post-traumatic stress, we talk about survivor's remorse. Well, a lot of women feel that in one way or another, perhaps uh, they were at fault on why a particular incident happened versus looking at it and saying, you know, there's no no excuse for what happened. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of these folks, you know, it happened, women, if it's happened at young ages. So I get, I can relate with a lot of women mm-hmm. Um when it comes to talking, unfortunately, women don't, they're not reciprocal in that dialogue. They're great at listening, but not great at opening up and going through that, that whole thing. What I, what I've, you know, it's a common thread in people that are in recovery and, and that's the unity, that's the support groups, that's spending time with people, um, with like experiences. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, um, it's important for me to be with people that are understanding once I am in that environment to foster my recovery, you know, meetings, counseling, mm-hmm. you know, um, I joined a women's group. Um, there were five of us that met probably for three years, and that was, I think, five. It stopped uh, five years ago, mm-hmm. but we continue to meet for dinner, which is really important for us. So that that spending time with people of common experiences, I found, is really helpful. The isolation is mm-hmm. is the part that it just will not bring us to a point of having some peace or or joy. So, yeah, so there's a lot with that, right? As far as it ties into other things like being able to um, make friends. You know, make, making friends has been a challenge. I mean, the folks that I was in high school with when I was an introvert, you know, those guys and, and, and ladies are still in my life in one way or another. That you know, if I went to Plymouth, you know, I'd, I'd see some, some folks that I bonded with at a young age. But once... Um, once I, I got through my first combat tour and, and then after my second, uh, I've, I found myself not able to to build the same types of relationships, uh, trust, mm-hmm. um, or have that some, some type of commonality where, you know, you could say, hey, that's my buddy, you know, and, and I don't have that. And it's really, really hard to to. to to do, and that's one of the things that I'm actually working on with the VA right now is is, you know, how do I go by trusting people and and gaining friends? When I was in the Marine Corps, I knew, you know, if I got up and and I and I started heading in a particular direction, that that my men were going to go with me. But 
the civilian community is it, the, the thought process is different their values are different and and they conflict with mine and so with that um i just uh have have issues with with being able to engage with folks that um um, haven't been through, you know, walk the walk with me. Right, right. And so that's one of the things that, um, well, um, people have asked, well, why do you move around so much? And um, I'm still trying to find that place where I'm supposed to be. Um, and you know, what about the veteran community? Are there are there activities? Are there are there group activities? In a, in a social sense, so, yes. So, but here's the thing: in the Pacific Northwest, and and one of the things that's missing, and and I I don't know if it's taboo to talk about, but um, the the diversity here is different. I mean, it's it's not very diverse here, and um, I think that the political atmosphere has made for a lot of division, and. Uh, so right now, being in the Pacific Northwest as a minority is a is a pretty tough place to be at, and um, uh, it's it's something that's being addressed uh, with at the VA. Um, um, one of the uh, um, psych- psychologists that I'm seeing, she's she runs a program where they you know talk about the lack of diversity in in the Pacific Northwest, and you know some of the. Uh, uh, some of the behaviors and the history behind Portland and Vancouver and uh, why people say and do the things that they do. So even though I, you know, I love it here and it's beautiful, um, it, I think it's time for me to go. But after retiring from the military, I've moved all over the place. And I think that that does have a lot to do with uh, me trying to find myself. So. Yeah, I, I, I do understand that. You know, we we no matter where we go, we take ourselves with mm-hmm. us, and it is an ongoing process. And now you'll be on the road. What do you take with you so that you're you're mindful of what's going on? Um, you know, spiritually. So, spiritually. So with that, you know, I am a believer. Um, I am saved. Uh, that was one of the things that I was missing during my journey after retiring from the military. Um, that I, I do believe that um, uh, that this is going to be the journey to where I'm supposed to be um, and make this last move my home and uh, you know dig in and and um, and do it right. But I I feel that you know with me trying to find a norm that, you know, I'm, I'm Irv, I'm, you know, I, I got these degrees and I'm supposed to be doing this job. I'm supposed to be making this much money and I'm supposed to be doing all of these things like normal people do. Well, you know what, Irv, your, your life experiences have made you not like those guys. You're not, there's no cookie cutter for a combat veteran. There's no cookie cutter for somebody who's dealt with trauma. You got to be happy with where you're at. And so I, I, think that I've got myself in a situation where I'm going to be happy with with Irv and not feel that I have to um, have this attained status. You know, I, I, I have to be a manager. I have to make this much money. I have to do these things so that I am a contributing member of society. You know, it's it's not like that. Um, I, I had 
I, I have accepted the fact that um, that that's for me is not going to be my future, and and I need to start doing things that that will give me satisfaction. And one of those things, Heidi, is I feel talking to veterans. So I think that's the focus I'm going to go to go on. Um, I felt that there was a lot of satisfaction when I was when I was briefing um, veterans that were getting out of the military on what to expect. I don't think that the military does a good job of that. And I think that with my experiences and what I've dealt with will help them um, uh, to make a better transition um, into the civilian community on what they should be doing. For me, the college experience was great. Um, it, it took a lot of the pressure off of me, um, you know, and, and um, you know, one of the things that I, I did gain from the military is just self-discipline and, and motivation. So for the the seven years that I was in college, I I did great during that time. And and I would encourage veterans to do that. And they may not it may not be a college route, but it might be, you know, trade school or something, someplace, go do something, decompress, um, you know, take a breather, learn who you are, and uh, and don't let society dictate you know, who you're supposed to be because nine and 99% percent of the time they're going to be wrong. You know, so. Yeah. Especially where they, they haven't been there. Yeah. So I, I appreciate your, your time and your experience through your heart. You know, I really appreciate that. And I think this will be, um, important for veterans, um, to listen to I think this is you know that you really you dug deep with us and um, if there's any last bit of um, um, words you might want to share what would that be you know it's there's a lot of veterans out there that are just like those women that I'm talking about that they think that you know they're they're there's a badge of courage that they gotta they gotta have on their chest because you know they've dealt with some serious adversity. They've seen death. They smelled it. You know. They felt it. Uh, they've delivered it, and they feel that they're supposed to be the tough guy by holding it in. Um, and and that's not the case. You know. Go out there and talk to your brothers. Talk to your sisters. Get out there, and be a, and have the courage to be able to articulate what you're feeling and um, and what you're going through. Because uh, if it stays inside you, it's going to fester. And you're going to make some serious mistakes that will be some serious regrettable mistakes. And I, I would hope that 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 um, this message does get to just one veteran and makes an impact. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, that was wonderful. I appreciate it. And it's so wonderful seeing you. <laughs> it's good seeing you. Yeah, too. we spent some, we played Frisbee, went to the beach. We had a good time, had some meals. Won't be the last time. I look forward to getting up to Massachusetts and seeing yeah, you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. This is, again, Recovery on the Road. And check out my website, ontherightroad.org. Peace, my friends.